0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. On um, Malachi, the book of Malachi, and the title is Keeping Your Faithfulness to God. We have gone over chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. We stopped in chapter uh, 2, verse 2. Uh, probably nine last time, so we want to pick it up from there. And this particular message is encouraging us in doing the things that God has already told us to do, being faithful in that. Sometimes we've already seen in the book of Malachi where we had a people who had start getting lax in in their worship of God. They started uh instead of doing what God said to do with their sacrifices, instead of bringing God uh his best, what they were doing was bringing God what they had left over, what they didn't want, what uh uh would cost them least. They would they would uh keep the, the good sheep Uh, They would would, uh, sell that or what they they would do with it and give God the the lame and the blind and just just treat them in any kind of way. But God says, I'm a great king. I'm a great God. And so you can't do that. You wouldn't do that to your governor. Why are you going to do that to me? So the priests were doing the same thing. The priests were not doing anything. We saw also last week where uh, the the priests who were supposed to be teachers were not teaching, uh, instructing the. The, the The people the way they're supposed to be instructing them, so we're going to pick it up in in verse ten of chapter two, and we'll see here that some of this is still going on with the priests and with uh the judges the prophets, the people who were not uh, who who were supposed to be helping the people and bringing the people to spiritual uh superiority uh among the nations they were Falling back into being just like the other nations, that's what they were doing. So in verse ten, it says, "Do we not have all have one Father?" So we told you that Malachi uh, was at least twenty-three question and answers. He taught in a question-answer way. Now, do we all have one Father? Does the un, do the unsaved have God as their Father? And that that's what. He, he's saying here, everybody, everyone has God as their father. Every single person. Okay, let's, let's look in Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 17. Let's go there, and we'll see what God says. Verse 23, Acts 17, verse 23. It says, For while I was passing through and examining, this is talking about Paul, uh, the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life, and breath and all things. And he made from one man. What man was that? Adam. Every nation of mankind. To live on all the face of the earth. Having determined their appointed times. And the boundaries of their habitation. That they would seek God. If perhaps they might grope for him. And find him though he is not far from each one of them. Or each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. So uh, Paul didn't disagree with the poets uh, of the uh, unsaved. They knew, the poets knew that they were all children of God. And verse 29 says, being then the children of God, we ought to not think, that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. So God is the God of all people. God is the God of the unsaved. God is the God of the saved. So there's nothing God is not, uh, didn't create. Everything that exists, He created. He created all men, whether they're serving him or whether they not. Uh, he's given all of us breath. So they ask a question in Malachi. Do we not all have one father? And the answer, of course, is yes, we all do. Has not one God created us? The answer is yes. One God has created us. Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother? Now that treacherously... In the NIV, it would say unfaithfulness, and if you look it up in a in, uh, you know, dictionary, the, the treacherous is being unfaithful, uh, not being able to be depended upon, untrustworthy, unreliable, uh, just hard to get along with. It, it's, it's, uh, it's a person that you can't even trust. That's what this is. That's what the treacherous would, would be, unfaithful. Let's use the word unfaithful. Against each other. His brother, so as to profane the covenant of our fathers. So the covenant of the fathers basically said that uh, this is when they uh, came out of Egypt and uh, went in the wilderness into uh, Mount Sinai, and he gave Moses the the, the law and said that, look, tell the people to obey me, tell them to obey me. Let's look at it in, in Exodus 19, uh, verse one. Let's go there. Uh, so so. I don't have to tell you the story. Uh, you can look at it. So we look at Exodus chapter 19. And it says that in the third month, verse 1, after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very, very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. So we see that they are are right there. They're they're in front of the mountain there. In verse 2, and it says, verse 3 says, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the sons of Israel You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now then, if You will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples peoples for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So we see what he told Israel. And, and we see, let's go back to Malachi. And we see in Malachi, they were not obeying the voice of the Lord. So they were breaking covenant. Not only were they breaking covenant with each other, and not only were they doing things that God has said not to do uh, to him personally, but they were also doing it, breaking faith with each other. And it says that, why? Verse 10 Why do you deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? Verse 11, Judah has dealt treacherously or unfaithful and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. So we see that Judah is not doing what Judah is supposed to do. Verse 12 As for the man who does this, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob everyone who, who awakes and answers or who presents an offering to the Lord of hosts. Now, how were they being unfaithful? He says, He marries, He loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. Was that legal? To marry the daughter of a foreign god? Was it legal for, his, for your, let's say if we all were back there, and you had sons, was it legal for, for your son to marry a, a heathen daughter of the Canaanites, or the Hittites, or the Jebusites? No, it wasn't. Let's look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. Let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. And when the Lord your God shall bring you into the land where you are entering to possess it, and shall clear away many nations before you, and he starts naming the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the uh, Hivites and the Jebusites and seven nations greater and stronger than you, uh, and when the Lord your God shall deliver them before you, and you shall defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. Utterly destroy them means that the Lord has decided that these people are mine. Every last one of them. You are banned from taking anything. Anything. When he says to utterly destroy, he told Samuel Samuel to tell... um, uh, uh, tell, tell, tell the, the king Saul utterly destroy all of them leave nothing and we knew what he did but he says that I want you to utterly destroy them you shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them furthermore you shall not intermarry with them you shall not give your daughters to their sons nor shall you take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. Now we know from history that not only were they doing that, but we have a great king that was doing that. You remember uh, David's son, King David's son. What was his name? Solomon. Solomon decided that, you know, I want some peace with everybody, so I don't want any war. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to marry every nation's king's daughter. And then we'll be relatives. We don't have to fight anybody. So therefore, therefore, Solomon had he had 700 wives. And, but they, they, were, they were princesses. They were princesses. They weren't just anybody. They were princesses. And they also had 300 concubines. Okay, so he had 1,000 women. Okay, so Solomon then had to go to war. But Solomon diso- disobeyed God, didn't he? Because God was already told... Told him way before that, that in the law, you shall not intermarry with them. Don't take it upon yourself to know that you to think you know more than God. Don't think you say, well, you know what? Well, all I had to do is um, uh, this is a good thing here. It just came to me. If I marry the king's daughter, we won't have to fight. Well, that thought didn't come from God. Who did that thought come from? It had to come from the devil. It didn't come from God. So, uh, so we, sometimes we have thoughts, don't we? And our thoughts sometimes, we say, well, hey, this is a good idea. But if that idea goes against the word of God, it is not a what? Good idea. And you say, well, hmm, that's the Old Testament. Well, yes, that is the Old Testament. And if you want a New Testament example, let's turn to... Uh, 2 uh, Corinthians uh, 6.14. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Let's go there. This is the New Testament. God hasn't changed. So don't think he's changed uh, just because he said, well, hey, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. So we can marry anybody we want to. It doesn't matter whether they're saved or whether they're unsaved. And he says here, starting in verse 14, do not be bound together with who? Unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Baal? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? All these answers is what? Nothing. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Has he changed? No. So why do we think today that well the Christian women are are, are they are slim? They are slim and so therefore I need to take me a wife from the unsaved, and then I will get her saved. What makes us think that's a good idea? See, sometimes we think it's a good idea because we know somebody who married an unbeliever, and then they got saved while they were married, and everything turned out hunky-dory. Well, see, that happened, that has happened, uh, you know, quite a few times it's happened. It's happened. You all know uh, from my past testimony that I was not saved. You all know that, right? I was lost as a goose. I was I'm was un, 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 unsafe. And and Minerva married me, and she didn't know what she got into, After we got married, she said, Ooh, you know. <laughs> Why? Because when you're dating, you know, you're, you're nice. You know, you do nice things, you know. Um, and then true colors come out after you get married and she's yours now and things like that. Well, you know that sooner or later, And it was later, unfortunate for Minerva, uh, she went through a lot with this unsaved heathen. She did. uh, Until God saved me. And when God saved me, then things started getting a little bit better. Not much, a little bit better. Uh, They started getting a little bit better because I was saved and I was trying to learn the word of God, but I was trying to pick and choose That which agreed with me. You all know what I mean. Okay? Um, The Bible says, submit, submit, woman. You know, all out of context. So, but now, I thank God that I'm much better. I'm still not where I should be, but I'm not where I used to be. But for every one of me, They got saved later on. There are countless, countless of people who never did get saved. Never did. I mean, we've had them in our church. Because sometimes, uh, you know, like uh, we had one couple, she, neither one of them was saved. Neither one of them. And then one of them got saved, the woman. The man is still unsaved after 46 years. Deal unsaved. Won't set a foot in the church. Won't do nothing. And, and, and we, we, you know, we pray for them, but, uh, do you think that she's happy? No. No. She's not happy. There are countless, countless people. Do you think that God, you know, God, you have missed it because you don't understand that we don't have many, uh, soul out, Women who are Christians. Or turn it on the other side. uh, The uh, women say, Lord, Lord, we don't have many men who are Christians. Come on. I don't know where to find them from. You know? Right? So, So, you know, we and you might think, I got a good idea. I'll marry me. marry me somebody who's not a Christian because, after all, I've seen in the church that some of the Christian men, they're just as bad as some of the un- unsaved men. Come on, have you here with saying? Come on now. Yeah. So I might as well marry me somebody who's unsaved. At least they're cute. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least they're cute. And as long as he don't try to rule me and I rule him, yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Now, I'm telling you, people have that type of mentality. Some people. But I'm telling you, that is not God. Do not do that. You are, you are asking for trouble. Because he says that there is no fellowship between light and darkness. There's not going to be any harmony, none, and so you're going to be up the creek. That's what you're going to be, without a paddle, and you're going to be in a boat that has a hole in it. And so it's just a matter of time before you sink. I'm telling you now, don't do that. So if you're unmarried here today, and you say, well, we don't have many men in our church uh, Pastor, uh, where, where are the men? Where are the young men? You know, I, can, I look, I can count them on one finger. Okay, so, where are they? Maybe I have to go to a larger church. Maybe we got a thousand or two thousand people, six thousand, and maybe I can, you know, check them out and see, can I find me somebody there? Well, has God, is God's arm so short that He can't bring your mate to you? Or uh, you to your mate? We can get testimonies of people here, and you know for a fact that you didn't meet your mate in the church. Most of you. You know what I'm saying? You didn't meet him in the church. But God somehow orchestrated things, and it worked out. God can orchestrate things. Don't jump ahead of God and do something silly. And don't listen to people who tell you, well, your expectations are too high. You need to set lower expectations. Well, how low do you want to go? Really. This is what they were doing in Malachi. Malachi decided you know what? My wife or my youth, you know, she, she's had a couple of children and everything, and, and, and she kind of, she's not the shape she used to be. You know, so, uh, she, she's been, uh, hands not soft it used to be. Uh, she, you know, she's not, don't want to spend time with me because she's busy with the cooking and with the children. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna divorce her and get me one of these, uh, younger models. Come on. Do you think that's, do you think that's what happens in life? Get me a younger model. Well, I'm going to tell you that my automobile has 277,000 miles on it, and it runs good. It runs good. It really does. They got some newer models out there, but they, they got problems. They got problems. I had one of them. I'm serious. I had a I did. I had a Corvette. Man, that thing leaked from the day I got it. I'm serious. It leaked. It was, it was a terrible car. Then I got a Cadillac. That thing wouldn't go but one way. <laughs> It'll go forward. Wouldn't go backwards. I mean, it, it's just terrible. I'm serious. Keep, if you got something good, keep it. <laughs> keep it. You hear what I'm saying? Keep it because, because don't, don't think, this. you know, don't be trading in. Don't be trading in. Now, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to tell you the truth now because, because this is what they were doing. And you know as well as I know this is real life because there are just as many divorces in the church, they say, as it is in the world. And that is not right. That is not right. It says here in verse 13, This is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. And sometimes we cry out to the Lord, Lord, why is this stuff happening to me? You know, uh, this happened to me, this happened to me, this is going on. You know, um, what's going on, Lord? And, and he says that, yet you say, for what reason? Is these things happening? I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm supposed to be highly favored. I'm supposed to be the head and not the tail. I quote it every day, Lord, why is, why is things not going? Why aren't things going the way they're supposed to do? He says, "cause the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, which is unfaithfully, though she is your companion and your wife. By covenant. Do you know that when you stand before God and men, I'm going to tell you, uh, do not do like I did. Because I don't have a clue what the pastor said. I really don't. Uh, all I know is that Minerva said, we've got to go see the pastor, went to see him, okay? He's going to marry us. And then I, I, got, I got ready. I came up, and I don't remember anything, but uh, you may kiss the bride, and, and we walk on out. I don't remember what he said. I didn't pay attention to what he said. Just hoping to hurry up, get over with, so it, this is my wife. My wife, you know, we're going on our honeymoon. Pay attention to what you're saying. Do you know you're making a covenant? You're making a covenant. And And, and that's what I do. And that's what we did, uh, the last, last marriage we, we did, uh, John and I did it together. And you, you're, saying some, you're saying some powerful words. I'm serious. You're saying some powerful words. You know, do you take this woman to be your lawful wife? I do. For better worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, until the day you die. Come on, don't we say that? Yes, yes, yes. And all these divorces—that's what God's saying. You say, "Well, we have some—we er, have some differences that we can't reconcile. That—that, you that, oh, know. So we can get a divorce." You made a covenant with God. You should have thought about these uh, things before you got married, shouldn't you? These differences you have. You should have thought about those. He said, well, they didn't show up. Well, why didn't they show up? You should have been bringing this bride or this man before your family, before your friends, before your church, before you. Don't just marry somebody and you think, well, I'm going to keep it a secret. I don't want nobody to know my business. Well, you better let somebody know your business. I'm serious. Because sometimes they can see things that you don't see. I'm telling you. That's their covenant, and we say, "As God is my witness." The, oh, it, it's it's so much in, in, in when I, when we do the marriage ceremony. It, it it goes by quick, but it is it is solid meat, and it is solid covenant. And God says, "I was a witness." Because you said, as God is my witness, that's what you said. He said, I witnessed that, so I don't want you doing this. It says in verse 15, But not one has done so who has a remnant of the Spirit. And what did the one who, while he was seeking a godless offspring, take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously or unfaithfully against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit and do not deal unfaithfully. This was a serious thing going on in Israel. Is it a serious thing going on in the United States? It's a serious thing going on in the United States. It's a serious thing going on in the, on in the church. It's a serious thing going on in the church of the, of the living God. And we're talking about all over the world. We have people who are not keeping covenant. Now you say, well, well God, he, 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 he let Israel go into captivity. He got rid of them. You got to be kidding. Do you know that Israel is the apple of God's eye? He hasn't gotten rid of Israel. Israel is still there. Let's look at Isaiah 54. Let's go there. Four. God, he loves us even when we don't show love towards him. In verse four, starting there, it says, fear not for you will not be put to shame, neither feel humiliated, for you will, be, you will not be disgraced, but you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and and, and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says the Lord God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you, a moment but with everlasting come on everlasting loving kindness and that word is mercy I will have compassion on you says the Lord your redeemer the Lord is not going to abandon you if you're his he's not going to abandon you yes there are consequences for disobedience just like there's consequences for uh, Israel when they went into Babylonian captivity it's like there are consequences for Malachi, the people in that during that time, but there are consequences for us. But God says that I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to do it. Now, I know there are people here who, who have gone through some things. Let's look in uh, Exodus chapter 34. Let's end there. In verse 6 it says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him, speaking of Moses, and the Lord said, The Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps covenant and loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins. God realizes that there are people all over his kingdom, who maybe have made a mistake. Who, oh, We know there are people here who have been through divorces. We know that God said he hates divorce. But God is a compassionate God, isn't he? God knows that, that, that we make mistakes, but he doesn't want us to keep making mistakes, does he? No, he doesn't want us to keep making mistakes. He wants us to learn from other people's mistakes, not make them ourselves. So to those who have been through divorces, who are divorced now and don't have a husband or a wife, know that God loves you. He's your husband. He's the one who's gonna look after you. He really will. And know that he'll never leave you or forsake you even to the end. And If there's someone here who's unmarried, who's planning on getting married, make sure that you do your due diligence. and Your due diligence is make sure that the person you're marrying is in the Lord. Make sure you have uh, tested this thing out with your friends, with your leadership, with uh, other people. Make sure you know everything about the person that you possibly can know And the Holy Spirit reveal things because once you say to death do us part, I will, and you say as God is my witness, I will, know that God expects you to keep that covenant. And so, therefore, it's no longer to say, well, uh, I thought she was this way. I thought he was this way. No, you have the Holy Spirit and God will show you if you be patient, and you say, "Well, if I'm if, if I if I be so choosy, then uh, I might not ever get married." Well, well, what did, what did Paul say? He says, well, "Hey, to, uh, you know, if you're unmarried, you don't 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 seek to get married because you're gonna be you're gonna be put yourself in a p- position where you're trying to please man and not God." That's what he said. But he also said, "It's better to marry than to burn for passion and be in adultery and fornication, because fornicators are not going to make it in the kingdom of God, is it? That's what, the God, that's what the Bible says. So we have to work together in the body of Christ. You have to help our young people, the body of Christ, and our older, our saints too, who I say, You know, and, and some people uh, they probably not going to get married." Probably uh, again, I know Miss Dor said she's not going to get married again; she don't want no man. I said, okay, <laughs> I said, okay, Miss Dorsey. that's all right with me, you know that's all right, you know, and there there are others might 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 not want about it. that's okay Because um, she said he he'll try to hold her back from praying, so I said, yeah, I, I understand <laughs> i understand. no problem, you know, but there are plenty who might want to get married, and if you do, let's work together, to try to help our young people and our older people to uh, to, to to do what God says because we don't want to be in a situation that Malachi was in because do you know it, it affected the whole church it did it affected the whole church when 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 uh, when when the priests let's say the pastor and the elders start backsliding not teaching the truth uh, because they didn't want to tell the people the truth because the people might not come back if you tell them the truth hey. We're going to tell you the truth, aren't we? We're going to tell you the truth. And it's because the truth will set you free. Won't it? Let's stand. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at Or call us at 434 847 we pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.